This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Anatomy of a merger. Hostile deals become friendly in the end, right? Once pharmaceutical giant Roche Holding decided to acquire full ownership of biotech firm Genentech, leadership at Roche knew there was no going back. Although the two companies had been working together in some form since the 1980s, and Roche had owned a controlling stake in Genentech since 1990, executives at the Swiss pharma company realized that a failed takeover would permanently poison any future dealings between the two. Quote, If we had gone down the path of increasing the ownership stake, it would have been different. Steve Cronus, a former Roche executive who is now senior vice president and CFO of Genentech, said during a recent presentation at Wharton, San Francisco. But once the decision was made that we were going to go for a full acquisition, and that was announced publicly, there was no way back. End quote. On March 12, 2009, Roche announced a $46.8 billion deal to buy South San Francisco, California-based Genentech. But the path to emerge Roche and Genentech was far from smooth. For one thing... The deal played out as Wall Street was thrown into panic and the economy into turmoil by an historic recession. For another, Roche went into the deal with the goal of preserving the innovative, entrepreneurial culture that had transformed Genentech from a startup to a standout, one that had developed Roche's three best-selling products, the cancer drugs Avastin, Herceptin, and Rituxin. In addition, The first stages of the merger attempt in late 2008 and early 2009 caused hostilities on both sides, sparking a war over how much Roche would pay for each remaining share of Genentech. Furthermore, the buyer was charged with combining the two companies in a way that would not cause the biotech company's scientists to head for the door. Roche realized that it needed more than just Genentech's drugs. The firm also wanted to inject the biotech firm's DNA into its corporate culture. Quote, When you acquire a company as successful and as good as Genentech, a lot of what you acquire is walking on two feet, and you better be mindful that you want to keep that talent and keep them happy and engaged, Cronus noted. Building on what made Genentech great was the key principle for Roche management. End quote. The merger came together as two other drug giants were launching takeover bids of their own. Pfizer bought Wyeth for $68 billion in 2009, while Merck paid $41 billion to acquire Shearing Plow. More recently, French drug maker Sanofi Aventis made public on August 29th of this year its $18.5 billion bid to acquire Genzyme, a Cambridge, Massachusetts-based biotech firm. Despite an uneven industry track record for similar mergers, Roche, Pfizer, and Merck pursued the deals, and Sanofi is chasing after Genzyme in an effort to diversify before facing the expiration of patents on a number of their blockbuster drugs. Once the protection offered by the patents is gone, generic companies are free to begin competing for the business created by the products. A Waste of Money The relationship between Roche and Genentech began with research collaborations in the 1980s. At the time, Genentech founded in 1976, was a relatively young company that mostly focused on R&D of new products. Basel, Switzerland-based Roche was founded in 1896 and had been a presence in the United States since 1905. 
The Swiss firm employed more than 78,000 people at the time of its takeover bid in 2008, while Genentech employed about 11,000. Genentech ended 2008 with a net income of more than $3.6 billion, versus $9.33 billion for Roche. Genentech's net income for 2008 increased 14% over the previous year, while Roche experienced a 5% drop. When Roche leadership bought 56% of Genentech for $2.1 billion in 1990, quote, it was a highly controversial move back in Switzerland, according to Cronus. A lot of people thought it was a waste of money to buy a young biotechnology company for $2 billion. But there were a couple of people at the top of the company who said, this is the future of Roche, end quote. As the biotech firm's product lines began to take hold in the market, Genentech's growth formed a hockey stick pattern, where revenue increased rapidly, creating almost vertical upward growth. Quote, I think probably not too many companies can really show something like this, Cronus said. Genentech is really just a fabulous success, one that was based on some truly innovative and outstanding medicines that have changed lives for a lot of people around the world. End quote. Success also changed Roche's view of its longtime partner. Quote, I don't want to say it's all about dollars, but I think it's quite interesting to see that development and think about how Genentech has changed over those years, Cronus stated. In the 1990s, the company was all about R&D. More than half of its employees were in the R&D area. By 2008, 75% of Genentech employees were in manufacturing or commercial or administrative. And that impacted our partnership in many ways, he noted. The two companies were competing for the same deals and the same customers. As an example, Cronus pointed to a situation that was brewing in 2007-2008, in which Roche and Genentech went head-to-head in the U.S. market for rheumatoid arthritis drugs. Quote, Cash flows were also a key driver in this analysis, Cronus noted. The cash generation that revenues like Genentech's bring is quite impressive when you have 40% plus margins. You sit there as a majority shareholder and say, I don't have access to that cash. What are they going to do with it? End quote. Partners on paper. Though partners on paper, Genentech's day-to-day operations were fully independent, with no significant collaboration between the two companies, Cronus said. In addition, it was becoming clear to Roche leadership that they were working against a time clock an agreement that allowed Roche first rights to market Genentech drugs outside the U.S. was set to end in 2015. According to Cronus, the pharma company expected that, when the time came for renegotiation, Genentech would take Roche to the cleaners, or even decide to sell the drugs overseas on its own. The drug giant also knew that Genentech scientists were the brains behind Roche's best-selling drugs, even as product development was stagnant at Roche's U.S. headquarters in Nutley, New Jersey. Quote, The Roche business in the U.S., frankly, was not doing that well. Nutley has a long and lustrous history, and a lot of great research has come from there. But Nutley had not produced anything for a long time, Cronus stated. The U.S. represents 40% of the world market. If you have ambitions to be a leader in this industry, not to have a good presence in the U.S. is not acceptable. End quote. All of those factors led Roche executives to begin considering how to create a more advantageous business model with Genentech. A full acquisition of the biotech firm was only one of the options they considered. 
The pharma company's hands-off approach to Genentech extended to the biotech firm's board of directors, where, by choice, Roche members were a minority. Quote, Roche could obviously reverse that on short notice, Cronus pointed out. But that certainly wouldn't have helped in terms of collaboration. We concluded that if you go that route, you really have to think a step further. Obviously, you replace the management team, but then you sit back and say, how is that upheaval going to be perceived by the stock market? End quote. Increasing Roche's percentage ownership stake was also an option. The company proposed such a move to Genentech during the second half of 2007, Cronus said. But the biotech firm declined to support it. Roche could have bought the shares in the open market. But when you are a 60% shareholder, every single share you buy you have to register. And you have to explain what your intentions are. End quote. That left Roche with the decision to pursue a full takeover. Without the alternative of privately negotiating a deal with Genentech's management because, as Cronus noted, if they already came to the conclusion that we don't want to sell another 5-10% to 10 to Roche, then what's the likelihood that they are going to say, oh great, now you want 100%, that's fantastic, let's do it together, end quote. On July 21, 2008, Roche went public with an offer of $43.7 billion, or $89 a share, for the 44% of Genentech that it did not own. Genentech didn't become aware of Roche's plans until a few hours before it hit the news, in a phone call from Roche chairman Franz Humer to then-Genentech CEO Arthur Levinson. Quote, The offer came out, and Genentech's share price went up from the low 80s to approximately $94, according to Cronus. At the time... Analysts believe that the jump in share price was a sign that Roche would have to pay more than it was offering to acquire full ownership, and industry observers wondered why the Swiss company would risk unraveling a partnership that had worked well for nearly 20 years, despite the unlikely coupling of Genentech's necktie-optional culture with Roche's more traditional button-down atmosphere. Patient advocates were worried, too with several telling the Wall Street Journal that they feared the merger would be the end of a unique relationship in the industry in which Genentech officials regularly met with and sought feedback from activists and patient groups. A special committee, formed of three independent Genentech board members, considered Roche's first offer. About a month later, they ultimately rejected it as a substantial undervaluation of the biotech firm. The response was not unexpected, Cronus noted but it was a setback for Roche, which had reason to get the deal completed quickly. Results of a clinical trial testing the effectiveness of Avastin as a treatment for early-stage colon cancer were expected in April 2009. If the feedback was positive, Genentech's share price could jump dramatically and put the deal out of Roche's reach financially. Quote, It was critically important to get the deal done before those results got out, because if it had been positive the deal would have been gone, Cronus noted. If it had been negative, which it was, we could absorb it. End quote. A changing world. An already complicated situation became even more fraught on September 15, 2008, when about a month after Genentech rejected Roche's initial offer, Lehman Brothers filed the largest Chapter 11 bankruptcy petition in U.S. history. The news created a ripple effect that sent financial markets reeling and the economy lurching into a downward spiral. Suddenly, the pharma company's balance sheet for financing the merger looked more uncertain. Then came a counterbid from Genentech, $112 a share. Quote, Banks were going bankrupt, 
and bankers were more worried about, do I have a job, than doing what they were supposed to do, keep a finger on the pulse and understand the market, Cronus stated. The bankers just simply had no idea as to our ability to raise this capital. The commitments in terms of bridge financing were coming down, down, down. The price was going up, 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 end quote. Typically, companies finance mergers by securing temporary bank loans prior to raising capital, but the economic turmoil meant that many banks weren't in the position to lend. Roche made the unusual move in early 2009 of going to the bond market before its merger was a sure thing. At the same time, Pfizer was doing the same, even though the Wyeth deal had yet to close. Merck would eventually pursue a similar strategy to acquire Shearing Plow, taking advantage of investors' willingness to lend to companies dealing in products seen as recession-resistant. Roche sold $16 billion in bonds to fund its takeover of Genentech, generating a pile of cash and interest payments that the company would be stuck with if it couldn't close the deal. Roche and Genentech were still nowhere near an agreement, so Roche decided to stop negotiating. On January 30, 2009, the pharma company began a hostile bid, going directly to Genentech shareholders with an offer of $86.50 a share, 3% lower than its initial offer from July. Quote, I think it was a big shock in the market, and certainly the investors were not happy at all, Cronus acknowledged. We got a lot of flack for that one, but it was, I think, a good move in that you show some price discipline. End quote. Shareholders, meanwhile, shunned the new offer, and analysts doubted that Roche would collect enough shares to complete the deal. In addition, observers became increasingly concerned that the argumentative nature of the process might alienate Genentech scientists and management and cause them to leave the company rather than work at a firm wholly owned by Roche. Genentech urged shareholders to reject Roche's proposal. Leaders at the biotech firm argued at a March 2009 meeting with investors that the company was worth far more than $86.50 per share, noting its history of success and flourishing drug development pipeline. Meanwhile, Cronus and three other Roche executives went on the road to visit all of the biotech firm's top investors in an effort to come up with a price that would convince shareholders to tender the necessary 50% of the total 440 million shares they controlled. The Roche executives ended the trip in San Francisco, where they went for a walk on the Embarcadero and decided to raise Roche's asking price to $93 a share. Quote, hostile deals become friendly in the end, right? And it was friendly for the last week, when we negotiated a share purchase agreement and a lot of important terms in that merger agreement. End quote. Although some analysts argued that the new offer was still not a fair reflection of Genentech's long-term value, they also noted that the volatile market made the offer more attractive than it would have been otherwise. The price was ultimately increased to $95 a share, with Roche agreeing on March 12, 2009, to acquire the remaining portion of Genentech for $46.8 billion. Although the Swiss company had scaled a major hurdle toward gaining income and innovation from Genentech, leadership still faced the potentially thorny process of creating a unified firm. Combining Cultures In trying to integrate the two companies, the watchword for Roche was speed, 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 Cronus noted. Roche also wanted to ensure that it would absorb some of what made the biotech firm such a success. 
Several Genentech veterans were brought on board in key roles at the combined company, although others, including CEO Levinson and product development head Susan Desmond Hellman, ultimately parted ways with Roche. Some Roche management positions moved to the U.S. from company headquarters in Switzerland. Quote, There are always some decisions where you have two people and you have to select one, Cronus pointed out. We made a commitment to select the best of both companies. The best person gets the job. End quote. The headquarters of Roche's commercial operations in the U.S. were shifted from Nutley, New Jersey to Genentech's offices in South San Francisco, California. A Roche facility in Palo Alto, California, was shut down and its operations were also relocated to Genentech. The shifts caused about 600 job cuts at Roche operations in New Jersey. Quote, The feeling there was that, you guys in the management team are in love with Genentech, and you don't care about us anymore. End quote. Many people felt slighted and very unhappy about some of those decisions, Cronus noted. We're closing Palo Alto. We have gone from 950 people to about 100 people today, and we are in the process of selling that site. In Nutley, you go from the headquarters to an R&D center of excellence. An R&D center of excellence is great, but it's not the same. Certainly not for those people who were not in R&D. End quote. Manufacturing and commercial operations for the two companies have been combined, but Genentech's research approach has been adopted across the merged firm. Veteran Genentech scientist Richard Scheller is in charge of the company's early research and development and reports directly to Roche CEO Severin Schwann, as opposed to Roche's head of R&D. Quote, The idea is really that we are together now, so let's pick the best people, let's pick the best projects, let's pick the best strategy, and do this together, Cronus added. That's an important part of making sure this investment is a good investment because, as I said a few times, most of the value walks on two feet. That means if value is going to be created in the future, you've got to make sure that you keep that innovative environment. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.